Hello, college football fans. I'm Nick Carparelli, the executive director of Bowl Season, and welcome to this season's second episode of the Bowl Season Stories podcast. Last year, we recorded 21 episodes, hosted 57 guests, including college football player and coaching legends, members of the media, as well as bowl game executive directors, all sharing their favorite bowl season memories. Over the course of this college football season, we will record 20 episodes in all, and we have an exciting lineup of guests planned for you today. We are, we are joined by former Baylor quarterback, Nick Florence, All-State Sugar Bowl Chief Executive Director, Jeff Hunley, and the founder and CEO of Tail Greeter, Nick Akrap. Three Nicks in one episode, can't have enough of those. <laughs> Our first guest today is brought to you by Sport Radar, reimagining immersive experiences for sports fans and bettors. He played quarterback at Baylor from 2009 to 2012 and broke seven school records during his senior season on his way to being named Honorable Mention All-American. He capped off his college career with a win over UCLA in the 2012 Holiday Bowl and now serves as Associate Athletics Director for Major Gifts at his alma mater. Please welcome to the show, Nick Florence. Nick, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is, uh, this is fun. I get to relive the glory days a little bit. Always good to do that. They, they tend to they tend to grow in stature over the years, but uh, you you don't need to uh, embellish yours. I mean, you well, are. You've got to grow something as as you get older. You get less and less athletic, so the story's got to get better. Well, there you go. There you go. Well, you're you don't need to grow much. Your senior year, you threw for four thousand three hundred nine yards, uh, a single season record at Baylor, single game record against West Virginia, five hundred eighty one yards. Looking back at your college career, how much did you enjoy the experience of, of playing college football in general and specifically playing at Baylor? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's, it's a dream come true. And, and, and I still tell people, you know, when they ask me about those days, it, it honestly feels like someone else's life because I don't know how I ever did any of it. Um, but, man, it was a blast. It, it prepares you so much for life. I, I love the, the game of football, specifically in the, in the team sport and the discipline and the hard work you have to learn to be successful at it the reality is the guys were around me and those attributes and those records or stats are, are pretty crazy to think about but it was because of the team around me and the coaches I had just putting me in the best position to succeed and so kudos goes to those guys but uh, man it, it was fun um, I still wish I were as athletic as I once used to think I was uh, but it's fun to, to, to talk and relive the, relive those days. Of course, of course. Well, I mean, you, you capped your career with a win over uh, number 17 UCLA in the 2012 Holiday Bowl, 49-26. You threw for two touchdowns, rushed for another. Uh, you mentioned playing with your teammates. You know, we talk about the bowl game experiences and how precious those are and how memorable they are. What was it like to take a great trip to San Diego yeah. as your last game, and how much fun was that trip? Man, it, it was a blast. You know, honestly, leading up, up to that we were I think four and five uh with three games remaining and and one of those games um was Kansas State who was number one in the nation at the time with Colin Klein and they were they were coming to Waco and so for us you know we kind of had our backs against the wall and then went on a, a three-game win streak starting with that Kansas State win um and then beat Texas Tech and, and then Oklahoma State and I remember even after the interview, you know, as kids, you're always trying to figure out what bowl you're going to go to. And, and we're from Texas and everyone's been to San Antonio. Everyone's been to Houston and, and Lake Seastrunk. I remember after our, our final home game against Oklahoma State, he tells the media, hey, we want to go to San Diego to the Holiday Bowl. 
And I'm like, hey, that's cool. Like in the back of my mind, I'm like, hey, that's great. Like, that's not a reality, man. Like, they're not going to put us there. And, and lo and behold, we, we got to go out there. And, you know, for us and even for me, it was my first time in California and, and for so many of, of my teammates. And so it was, a, it was a pretty special experience for us to, to get to do something different because the previous two years were Houston and San Antonio. And those are great bowls in themselves. But to go to Holiday Bowl in, in San Diego, California, and I mean, just just a dream come true uh, and so much fun. So I think for me, one of the most interesting things you just said is you were four and five and you guys were really motivated to get to a bowl game and, and you had you, you won your last three to not just get to a bowl game, but, you know, maybe, you know, maybe six and six you'd have gone. I don't know, but seven and five got you to the Holiday Bowl. You know, that was great motivation there. There's so much focus on the playoff nowadays, which which is awesome, right? We all love the playoff. Yeah. We need a mechanism to crown a national champion. But you and I know that the playoff, there's 130 FBS institutions, you know, uh, aspiring to be in the playoff every year is not for everyone, right? So we're, you know, we feel that the, the bowl season goes hand in hand with the playoff. The playoff is great. Yeah. Um, but college football needs bowl season as well. So talk, talk about that notion a little bit and how motivated you were to, keep winning when at four and five, you knew you weren't going to get into any kind of playoff or, or the BCS at the time. Yeah. I mean, I, to, to be able to go spend a week in, in another town with your teammates and, and to get to play the game that you love and, and the memories that you make. I mean, I still think back and uh, to San Diego and man, how, how fun of a place it was, how beautiful of a place it was. And, and for so many, it's like, man, we, we've never had that opportunity to go somewhere like that. And I actually had the opportunity to go back with my wife uh, to San Diego this last spring, first time since the holiday bowl. And it was just wild to go relive some of those memories. Um, but just the bonding, the camaraderie, the memories you, you leave uh, with that game from, and, you know, I even think your guys, like one of the, my most favorite stories, um, you know, we're, coaches are always trying to motivate their players, right? You got a bunch of 18 to 22 year olds and trying to keep people relaxed, but motivate, and, you know, we're, we're all from Texas, the majority of us. And, and, and so we're playing UCLA in their backyard in California. It feels like a foreign land. There's palm trees everywhere. There's nice cars and, and, and coach one day at practice, he's like, you know what guys, this is about us, right? They can have their palm trees and their fast cars, but you know what we got? We got our, we got our oak trees and our mopeds, you know, and just this like backs against the wall mentality. Hey, they're, they're flash, but we're substance. Right. And, and, and we kind of went in with that mentality of, Hey, it doesn't matter who we're playing, where we're playing. We just won three games in a row, two against one against the number one team. Oklahoma state was ranked uh that last game too so we were feeling pretty confident and playing our best football at the right time of year so man we had a blast uh it was fun to go in there beautiful night and and really take it to the to the palm trees and fancy cars awesome awesome now you mentioned earlier the alamo bowl and the texas bowl you got to experience those games backing up heisman trophy winner robert griffin the third what did you learn from him while you were teammates yeah i mean one he's he's an incredible competitor uh and i think there's so much in life that when you have a will and drive and hard work and, and, and you're a competitor you can accomplish a lot of things i knew very clearly i was not going to be robert griffin the third i i'm much slower i don't throw the ball as hard or as far i uh, just not as gifted athletically um but when you work hard and you have great people around you uh and you try to make the best of everyone else 
tends to, things tend to go well. And I think that's one thing Griff did well is, man, he, he tried to put the ball in, in everyone else's hands. He tried to make the most of others. Um, and so to be able to just kind of carry that and get the opportunity uh, to follow in, a, in, in the footsteps of a guy like him, uh, for me, it was, it was fun. It was an opportunity and that's all you can ask for in life. And, uh, and so, you know, to be able to hang over his head, I had more, uh, you know, single season passing yards is, is one thing I can hang over him. Uh, but now he's an incredible athlete and, uh, man learned a lot. He did a lot for Baylor. Uh, so it was fun to be able to just carry that, that mantle. And one of the cool things I think is, is, you know, you got to experience bowl games as a player. We've talked about that, but now you work at Baylor. You've been there since 2013 and the bears have played in pretty, some pretty good, good bowl games recently, uh, last year. Um, you guys beat, um, Ole Miss in the sugar bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you go to those games. It's a different kind of feel for you as you're, uh, you know, working in the athletic department. You get to see, you know, student athletes and, and the experiences they have. You know, how much fun has bowl games been for everyone involved, kind of in your new position, and for you as as well as how how you observe the student athletes' experiences now. Yeah, no, that's that's a, that's a really good question. Obviously. I think in life, you always want to raise the bar, right? So like, I want our ceiling to be the next class's floor and, and you're constantly trying to achieve. And 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 now what we've been able to accomplish in the, in the last few years under Matt Rule and, and now Dave Aranda, uh, it, it's truly special. It's special for the players because having been one, I know what they're getting to experience. Uh, but even in my role in, in engaging donors and philanthropy for the university, I truly believe in what we're doing. Uh, and I and I believe our leadership and our donors believe in what we're doing that that it's more than winning, um, and and for us winning is the platform and it's really about developing young people and and through the through athletics through sports, uh, but I think one of the even the coolest things and and this probably doesn't get talked about enough even in sports channels but uh, one I'm passionate about is what sports does for the university what it's done for Baylor, what Baylor football has done for the university as a whole. We're an R1 research institution now. Uh, Our brand is so much larger because of the success we have on the football field. Uh, And we're attracting students from all over the nation. And so that to me is what's fun is we get to use the the avenue of athletics and specifically football and engage our, our donors and our alumni and our parents and our fans to give back that not only impacts our students, uh, student athletes, but, but also students as a whole, because at the end of the day, our football players are getting degrees too. And, and we have football players in every part of the university from engineering to business to, to the sciences. Uh, and that's ultimately what it's about and, and why I'm so passionate about what I do. And the reality is, is football will end for everyone. Uh, and most people on, on not their terms. Uh, and so what are we doing to prepare uh, these young people to go out and change the world? And so it's a blast and, and to make the memories and uh, are, are fun to be able to do it that way. Well, probably not a better person to be out uh, selling that vision than you, someone who's lived it and, and has, uh, you know, been given a lot of, uh, a lot of great things, you know, as a result of, of, of Baylor. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So give us some examples of some of the great things you're working on right now. I, I, you're around the road as we speak, uh, trying to raise money. Uh, any, any cool projects coming up? Yeah, no, we've got two actually extremely big projects. I, uh, I like to joke with people, the more we have and, and the projects we're building, the, it's job security for me. Um, so, so we're actually building a new a basketball uh, pavilion. So Foster Pavilion will open in, in about uh, 16 to 18 months. Uh, and so men's and women's basketball will house there. And then we're also building the Fudge Football Development Center. 
Uh, so I've gotten to work with, with that donor very closely and, and building a new day-to-day headquarters for Baylor football, which will be a state-of-the-art facility. Uh, so both those projects are beginning to break ground, uh, but we are still very much in the fundraising uh, stages. And so it's fun, to, fun for me, man. I, again, I truly believe in what we're doing and, and, a, and a student athlete that comes to Baylor to play sports gets an experience you can't buy anywhere else uh, in developing the whole person, both physically, both on the field, mentally, but also spiritually in our Christian faith. And so it's a special place to me, man. Uh, it's fun. And, and to be able to not sit behind a computer screen, watching all day and, get out and talk about it. Uh, it. It's a dream come true. Well, you're, you're clearly passionate about what you do and where you do it. And I, I love to see that. There's nothing, nothing better than having a, a career that, uh, that meets your, your, your passion. Uh, so I love that. Nick, uh, we've taken enough of your time. You need to go raise some money. Thank you so much uh, for visiting with us. Uh, you were great. Good luck to you. And uh, hopefully I get to meet you in person down the road. Absolutely. Thanks for the time, Nick. And it, it was a blast. Let's definitely meet in person. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break and be right back with Allstate Sugar Bowl Chief Executive Director Jeff Hunley. Stay with us. The forecast for this tax season It's going to rain refunds, lots of refunds. File for less and get more with TaxAct, the official tax filing software of bowl season. Go to taxact.com to get started today. Welcome back to the show. Our next guest is brought to you by Tappet. Understand how going cashless builds loyalty, engages fans, and boosts your bottom line. We are now joined by Jeff Hundley, Chief Executive Director of the Allstate Sugar Bowl, and also the Chair of the Bowl Season Executive Committee, this year, so he's he's my boss, so I better uh, better not ask him too many tough questions. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Great to be with you, Nick. Appreciate the time. Now, you've been associated with the Sugar Bowl for almost thirty years now. It's hard to believe. I met you. Uh, I was thinking about it last night. I met you in 20, uh, 2002 when I first started at the Big East. So you had been been with the Sugar Bowl roughly ten years then. So it's been twenty years since we met. So thirty years. Uh, you, you've, you've hosted seven national championship games over that time. Time flies. Can you, can you believe how much you've seen, uh, in the sugar bowl over those, those 30 years? Yeah. The times have changed. I, to be honest with you, when, when I first started, that wasn't the plan. I, we moved to new Orleans from, uh, Athens, Georgia. I'd worked in the athletic department at Georgia for about seven years prior to that. And, and the idea was to come to the bowl and get some experience and bounce back to a school and wound up uh, liking it, staying. So I started having a family and all that. And uh, here we are 30 years later and, and uh, really happy with the decisions we've made. Been a lot of change, as you mentioned, you know, during that time I've lived, you know, through the coalition, the alliance, the BCS, now into the CFP and, who knows what uh, the next iteration of that's going to be right now. So it's, uh, it's been fun. It, it keeps you uh, on point at all times. And, and uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything, I guess. Well, so many notable events over those 30 years. Um, probably the first one I want to bring up is Hurricane Katrina in 2005, 17 years ago this week. Uh, I remember very well because at the end of that season, our champion, West Virginia, uh, played Georgia in your game, and that was held in Atlanta. Um, but you know, obviously, Katrina was you know way way beyond football. You know, it was it was a you know such a 
devastating event for your community. What do you remember about the tragedy and how it affected your community? Oh, gosh, that's, that's uh, hard to put in a few words, but uh, we we had uh, evacuated with a, another family in my neighborhood because we, you know, we knew it was going to be a bad one and it was coming right at us. And we were in Jackson, Mississippi, and the storm had, you know, had hit New Orleans and it was had actually came right through Jackson as well. And one of the first things I remember is we were in a hotel where we had lost power and somebody had hooked up a, a, an old black and white television to a car battery and everybody was in the lobby of the hotel was all people who had evacuated from the New Orleans area. And we're seeing these grainy black and white images of, of television showing flooding in the city, showing, you know, the, the top of the Superdome ripped off. And, and I remember, you know, turning to my wife and, and saying, baby, I don't know if I'm going to have a job after this, you know, it was, um, it was obvious that the dome was in no shape, uh, you know, to host a game, you know, for that year. And so fast forward, you know, things worked out. We explored, all sorts of options, uh, you know, from having the game in, in all the way from Houston to Atlanta, wound up with the help of the Southeastern Conference, putting the game on in Atlanta. It was very helpful uh, that I knew a lot of people in the Atlanta and Georgia area from, from having, you know, worked at the University of Georgia. Uh, Gary Stoken was, was certainly helpful in help getting us connected with the right people. Uh, I remember Khalil Johnson, who was at the Georgia Dome, Carl Adkins, some good people that that really, you know, we we packed up. Actually, uh, let me back up a minute. When we decided we were going to Atlanta, we walked in uh, to our offices to get our computers and our files. That was the first time we'd been in, you know, in a month. Um, in the office, we, you know, I had worked remotely from, you know, I. We evacuated to Jackson, went to Montgomery, Alabama for a couple of days, wound up in Destin, Florida, and kind of made headquarters there and worked remotely. At that point in time, nobody knew how to text. That was when I learned how to text uh, people because it hadn't been used a lot because there was the, all the cell service was down, so you couldn't communicate with anybody via phone. So we were texting people, and uh, man, it was just uh, all over the page. But uh, when we came back into our office to pack up our computers and go to Atlanta, our offices had been uh, ransacked. Uh, you know, the, this was a place of, of last resort, the dome was, and people were, I guess, looking for food or what have you. I, I tell this story frequently, but we had a table in, the, in this office that had two trophies sitting on it. One was the Sugar Bowl trophy, and one was the Manning Quarterback Award trophy, which we, we give out every year, the Sugar Bowl does. And we came in and the people had smashed the Sugar Bowl trophy into a million little pieces. They had respect enough for the Manning family that they left it <laughs> untouched there. So uh, we, we found out where we stood. But uh, anyway, we packed up and went to Atlanta had to recreate, you know, this was by then it was October, early October. We lived in a hotel uh, for, you know, all the way through the game and, and uh, recreated the Sugar Bowl in Atlanta. Same number of events. We actually added uh, 
a parade that we didn't do at the time in New Orleans. So we actually made it even harder on ourselves, but community really rallied and, and helped us. And it wound up being a, a, you know, great event. It was actually a good ball game. You know, Georgia, it was helpful that Georgia was in the game as well. They sold the tickets. And, uh, you know, I, as I recall, uh, Rich Rodriguez was the West Virginia coach and he called a fake punt and uh, that turned the game around and, and uh, West Virginia won by, I think it was 38 to 35 uh, there in, in the Georgia Dome. And, and we all breathed a big sigh of relief after getting through that. And then, then when we were done, we couldn't get back to New Orleans because all our office was in a shambles and all the office space had had been scooped up any that was you know usable had been scooped up because there was a lot that had been damaged so we stayed in Atlanta another three months before we could find an office temporary office space to get back uh, to New Orleans so it was a uh, there's more to it than all that that I just shared there but it was interesting times it was probably the most stressed out I've ever been in my life uh, that period between October and the game trying to get things done but uh ultimately it came together and and uh it's the schools had a good experience and and we lived to fight another day well i can i can vouch firsthand that uh what a great event you put on there atlanta it it, it really uh it felt like you were in new orleans you know you, you kind of brought not just the game but you brought the whole city of new orleans feel and the events uh, to atlanta and um what a great job you guys did under under pressure. I, I, I was so impressed by that then. Another uh, another memorable year was 2011-2012. Uh, Sugar Bowl hosted its first overtime game, Michigan against Virginia Tech. And then six days later, you put on the BCS uh, National Championship game between LSU and Alabama. Some people feel that was the biggest sporting event in the history of the South, which, which is saying something, mainly because those two passionate fan base just they just collided right there in New Orleans. What was that like 10 years ago? It was was pretty amazing. It was a, a special time here in the city. Um, you know, that that Michigan started with the Michigan-Virginia Tech game. We hadn't had Michigan here in, in quite a while, and, and we had a great history with Virginia Tech. Uh, they had really, we felt like we played a part uh, in them. You'll recall, Nick, you know, when they first hit the national scene, they came down here and, and played uh, – Texas and won a game back in the mid nineties and, and they, you know, really kind of exploded and, you know, became a program to be reckoned with, but, uh, you know, having those two programs here and then, you know, I believe that was the first ever overtime game, uh, and remains the only overtime game ever played at, at the sugar bowl. And, uh, so it was a good ball game for that. And then, uh, you know, we had the, the BCS game six days later, but, at the same time that year, I was also serving as co-executive director of the NCAA Men's Final Four, which was just a few months later. And so we were working on the Final Four. We were working on the BCS. We were working on the Sugar Bowl. So my wife, uh, she, she likes to forget that year because I wasn't home <laughs> much at all. But it, it, was a, it was a good year. The, the BCS game, you know, it was bittersweet. Uh, yes, it was pr probably one of the biggest sporting events, you know, in the history of the South, certainly in the state of Louisiana. Uh, you know, we had hundreds of thousands of people in town without tickets. It was just a super great vibe in the air. But, uh, you know, ultimately that that 
led to the downfall of the BCS. Uh, there had been much that led up to that. You know, there'd been a lot of, uh, you know, the guys that were writing death to the BCS and a lot of media taking shots at the, at the system and at bowl games in particular. But, um, you know, while we enjoyed the, the spoils of, of that game, ultimately it, it, it brought that down. But it, you know, glass half full, it, it brought on the CFP. And, uh, you know, that was where, you know, the rest of the uh, country decided that everybody needed to have a shot at playing in, for the national championship game and not just leave it to uh, computers to decide who the top two teams are to play in the BCS. And, you know, I think the CFP has proved to be popular and, and has done well as a result. So uh, we were part of that, but it was quite a year. And then you know, we there was couldn't even rest after the game was over because we, we jumped right after the the men's final four and, and had a, a great event here. I think Kansas and uh, won that year. K Kentucky, I, I know they were both in it. I'm, my memory fails me right now, but it was a, a good year all around. Well, well clearly you have a history of, of um, willingly adding to your workload. Uh, you, in fact, you have an exciting new offering for fans this weekend with the All-State Louisiana kickoff. How do you and your staff approach these events and kind of try to tie them back to the great work you do during bowl season? Yeah, this has been, it's really been, I'll be honest with you, Nick, as, as long as I've been doing this, you know, it's been a bit of a learning curve for us, you know, coming up, it's going well. We're excited about the matchup uh, with LSU and Florida State uh, Sunday night. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, got lucky with uh, Brian Kelly, this being his first game. We, you know, we've been working on this game, trying to pull it together since 2017. Uh, um, you know, and now to see it come to fruition, you know, we've got the state of Louisiana is involved in a big way, hence the name, the All-State Louisiana kickoff. And, and then, uh, Again, we had some good fortune with with Allstate, who's our sponsor on an annual basis for the Sugar Bowl game, but they were lined up to play a game. You know, they had signed a three-year deal in Dallas to do the kickoff game there, and Dallas uh, had trouble this year putting together a matchup, and so uh, we were able to convince Allstate to slide over and, and work with us on this game. So uh, real positive because we know each other and, and what have you, but. Uh, Again, it's it doesn't have all the moving parts that you know that a normal bowl week would have in terms of all the hospitality events. It's really a road game. You know, we're doing a couple things extra. We got a big fan event on game day, and we're doing an event the night before the game as well. But it's uh, it's been fun. It's uh, you know I don't know that that we'll be in the business to to try and do one annually. Uh, we'll do it where it makes sense for us, and you know. You know, to be honest, having LSU in the equation uh, took the the risk out of the, the out of it for us. And we knew we'd sell the tickets, and and uh, so we're expecting. You know, the early lines show that it's it's expected to be a close ball game. So uh, we hope that's what we get come Sunday night, and everybody has a good time and moves on down the road and has a great season. Well, I'm looking forward to watching that one. Uh, last question for you, Jeff. You know, we talk a lot about bowl games in general and how meaningful those experiences are for the student athletes and the universities who participate in them. But they're also really, really important to the communities that host them. Um, you know, your game obviously is, is at the top of that list. Uh, the the All-State Sugar Bowl is about a lot more than football. What are some of the highlights of the Bulls' non-football activities in New Orleans? 
Well, we, we try to, we, we've used over the years, Nick, as you know, we've used the platform that, that being, you know, at, at the top of the, of the bowl lineup has afforded us, you know, so we've tried to be a good corporate citizen and, you know, we're involved in, and we've got scholarship programs for young people, both uh, boys and girls heading off to college that uh, through the National Football Foundation, as well as uh, through women in sport, uh, we do that, we're involved. You know, we've been able to do some good things, you know, as our through our partnership with the CFP. Uh, very proud of what we've been able to do in the Extra Yard for Teachers program that the CFP set up. Uh, since uh, 2019, we've put more than $3 million into uh, efforts to uh, lift up uh, the teaching profession in New Orleans. Uh, we've, we've got a, the three R's, uh, recruiting, recognizing, and retaining uh, teachers. That's a very important mission for us and something that we're proud of. You know, we're able to sponsor the state high school football championships. We do a whole calendar of other events during the year, all of which have a purpose in, in creating tourism and economic benefit for the city of New Orleans. And, and you know, when special things happen, you know, when, when COVID hit, you know, we, we were able, because of our position and, and, you know, our good fortune over the years, you know, we stepped up and, and donated a half million dollars to out of work hospitality workers um, in the city, because this city, as you know, is, is thrives on hospitality and, and that industry. And, and all of a sudden we had nothing. And so the people in that business were, were hurting and we were able to, to step up and help. And we've done that consistently over the years, whether it's, you know, making donations to Tuscaloosa when there were tornadoes through there, that when there was a shooting on campus at Virginia Tech, you know, we, we paid for uh, counseling for students on campus. So, you know, we, we very much, it's in our DNA to, to try and be just a good citizen uh, here and, and throughout the college football community as well. And, and I'm sure that'll continue as we go forward. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show. You know, you said at the beginning that it, it wasn't your plan to be with the Sugar Bowl for, for 30 years. Uh, I, I, for one, am very uh, thankful and grateful that, that you, you have been. And I think I speak on behalf of everybody else in the world of college football uh, that uh, we are, we're, we're so happy you're, that uh, you're running the Sugar Bowl. You're an asset to bowl season, an asset to college football in general. Uh, and beyond that, you're just a just a great guy, and everybody who knows you uh, thinks that. So thanks so much for for everything you do, Jeff. Well, thanks, Nick. I'd I'd be uh, remiss if I didn't congratulate you too, because the bowl season has quickly become uh, a brand that's identified and and to be reckoned with in the future. I'm proud to be a small part of it, but uh, your vision for this has been great, and it's something that that uh, I know we're just going to build on in the future, and I'm excited about that opportunity. Excellent. Excellent. Me too. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks again, Jeff. Uh, good luck this weekend. Great. Thanks. Take care. We are now joined by the founder of Tail Greeter and its CEO, Nick Akrap. Each week we talk about the great traditions of college football and bowl season specifically, but tailgating, I think, is just as big of a tradition as college football itself. And the two really go hand in hand. You're sort of an expert on this subject, Nick. What is it about tailgating that makes everyone love it so much? You know, I think it's just become the overall game day experience. You know, I've been to tailgates all over the country and to see the different 
fascinating people and traditions different in every conference and every region. You know, the food, the drinks, the activations, the way people just interact with each other. It's It's gotta be the most welcoming place in the world. You know, I've, uh, I'd love to tell the story of a tailgate down in Alabama where 100 years they've been in the same parking lot. Their recipes passed down from generation to generation, still serving great, great grandma's punishment. So I think, uh, you know, as long as football has been around, so is tailgating. So I love stories where people find their passion and they make a career career out of it. There's nothing, nothing better than working, you know, around something that you love doing. Uh, so you and your brother, Mirko, founded Tail Greeter roughly four years ago. Um, other than the obvious, where did this idea come from? Yeah, so I, it's somewhat selfishly, right? We, we wanted to tailgate ourselves and, you know, experience more stadiums and more locations and meet more people and just found that it was so difficult to figure out where the best place to park was. You know, if you're traveling, it becomes so difficult to travel with, you know, your setup with grills and coolers and, you know, everything else. So when we started thinking about how we could possibly solve a problem like that, you know, it was like, well, we should just ask the people who are season ticket holders and the people who are tailgating every week, weekend, week out, would they be welcoming if, you know, me and a group of friends were to join them? And that's kind of, you know, the origin story, if you will. Uh, so Tailgate is a digital marketplace where we found a whole bunch of tailgate hosts and then people that want to tailgate, but don't necessarily have the means or the access to do it themselves. So, you know, we are the digital platform in the middle, connecting one to the other. So tell me a little bit more. You guys handle everything. You know, what does a fan, you know, at a bowl game, for example, have to do to work with you guys and what can you deliver to them? Yeah, for a fan, it's as easy as, you know, logging on and checking out the listing. Uh, very similar to Airbnb, the whole user experience. You know, you go on and you can download the app, um, take a look at what kind of things are being offered at any specific bowl game. And then you pay per person and show up on the day of. We handle the setup, the cleanup, um, getting all the logistics in place. So for a fan, it's as easy as buying a ticket to the game. That sounds like a great idea to me. I wish I thought of it. So to, before we wrap up, tell, tell, tell the listeners, how can they uh, find you? Where should they go to look? Sure. On all social media, so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, you can find us at TailGreeter. And then tailgreeter.com or download the tailgreeter app straight from the uh, Apple or Android store, the iOS or the Google Play store. Awesome. Awesome. You're, you're great, Nick. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Hopefully we'll be able to tailgate together sometime this year, uh, bowl season for sure, if not sooner. Can't wait, man. Awesome. Thank you awesome. again for the opportunity. You're, you're welcome. Thanks for joining us. And thanks to all of you for listening to this week's Bowl Season Stories podcast. Uh, please join us next week when we will welcome another lineup of great guests. If you like the show, we'd appreciate you dropping a five-star rating for the podcast. And as always, you can follow all the podcast and bowl season news on our website, bowlseason.com and on social media at bowl season. Thanks for listening. Ah!